Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to the show. How y'all doing? <laughs> y'all hanging in there? You getting through the week? All right. We got a great show planned for you. We're going to kind of drop into the Roe v. Wade stuff, uh, really considering and looking at the mental health impacts and implications of this. It's important because, remember, all um, all forms of oppression, all forms of body autonomy, human rights, civil rights, um, reproductive justice, feminism, misogyny, toxic masculinity. It, there's so much woven into this. And it's not just a matter of the Democrats versus the Republicans and pro-life versus pro-choice. There's so much more embedded in it. And we're going to kind of talk about it. Um, so basically, the White House is preparing for a Supreme Court ruling around overturning Roe versus Wade. Um, and if you're watching, you know, I think the news you're going to see, well, if you haven't already, you're going to see a lot more of this kind of ramping up. We're stepping into the thick of it. And uh, as always, my concern, you know, I'm not a journalist. <laughs> uh, I'm not a news anchor. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a therapist. I, you know, want to cover those implications that are mental health related that aren't often discussed. And that kind of bums me out because as I'm looking at the different social media pages and the news coverage, it's often ignoring the impact that it's having on individual people's lives and families and the social world. And it's more around the legalities um, and the politics of, and of course that's all very, very important because these things are laws set precedent, uh, precedent. And um, I want us to round it out though and, and humanize it because we're talking about people's lives. <laughs> And I think it's easy to forget that when we pull something out and we make it more topical or we look at the political ramifications and, and whatnot. So we're going to kind of sit with that a little bit. Um, and uh, DMs, DMs are always open as well. So if you got a question, bam, drop it in there. Um, so what are the things we want to think about? Well, uh, I'll, I'll start by saying this. As a mental health practitioner who has sadly watched clients' mental health decline because they don't have access to mental health services as a result of the insurance companies themselves making decisions as to how much therapy someone needs or should have access to, that's disgusting. Mental health providers should be the ones determining the course of treatment and the length of treatment. And legislators, politicians, insurance companies should be told they shouldn't get to make those decisions. So that comes up in this topic as well, where we're having politicians who feel as though they themselves are qualified to make a decision about someone's personal health and reproductive decisions. And it's larger than just quote unquote, 
this discussion around whether or not a child is a child from inception and birth and all that, I, I'm considering the impact of this woman or trans male or non-binary individual who is being told that they don't get to have control over their body and that their mental and physical health care is being decided by a politician. People's and I, and I want to round it out. This is not just a physical healthcare condition. There's also a mental health component, and that's always what I will be prioritizing and looking at first. And to be told that your doctor and you are not making that decision, but that a politician is, that's that's a form of oppression. That's a form of violence. Being told that you don't have control over your body because body autonomy is very important. Body autonomy is your ability and your right to make decisions about what happens to your body, to have control over what happens to your body. And you are free from other people making that decision. That is the most basic human right, is that you get to be in control of what happens to your physical body. And politicians are trying to remove that and saying, we are gonna make it illegal for you to weigh in on that. We don't care about the mental health implications. We don't care about the physical health implications. We are going to force you to let go of control over your body and decisions made around your healthcare. That is unacceptable just on that fundamental level. Now let's round out and talk about the politics of it for a second. Ready for this one? 80%, 80% of Americans want abortion to remain legal, 80%. So whose needs are we serving? Not the population that you've been voted into office to represent. So there's so many different angles to look at this in terms of how much of a problem it is before we even get to the deeper mental health implications of this. So sit with that. Whose needs are we serving at that point? Um, and, and what is driving this discussion and this decision making? Because I know, and when this first started to get a little, you know, what do you want to call it? When, when this was starting to get discussed, the possibility of what's happening, I reached out to a few um, people in my life and I wanted to hear from them directly. And of course, having been you know, a psychologist in the industry for two decades, I've 100% worked with this on deep, profound levels, but I wanted to have a more honest conversation in ways that I can't with patients, with friends and family members about their experience of having had abortions and what it meant for them before, during, and after. And I got a completely resounding, it was important to me that I get that I got to make that decision for myself. It was important to me that I felt empowered to make that decision and to have safe access versus, they said, just imagining not having control over that. And we're gonna come back and we're gonna talk about what exactly those mental health components are and what we need to consider. But all of them said that they couldn't imagine having that right removed from them and being told that they have to carry a pregnancy that was something they weren't interested or wanting. We're gonna come back, so stick around. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, 
celebrity interviews, or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. All right, y'all, we're back and we're talking about the mental health implications of abortion being made illegal, which also means removing body autonomy, which also means the global global, global understanding that making abortion illegal doesn't mean abortions won't happen. It means that they will happen in more unsafe ways and conditions. It's going to lead to more issues and problems. It's not going to resolve. It's not going to remove. People will continue to do it, but they'll do it in less safe ways. And what are we centering and who are we looking out for when we make these decisions for people? Because let's look at some of the stats and these are really profound. Um, so there's a big study and the studies being, you'll maybe hear this reference more. It's called the turnaway study. And it looked at what are the mental health implications and social implications, quality of life implications in restricting abortions. And the study showed that we had an increase in domestic violence and an increase in suicidality. And that's because a lot of people aren't living in relationships or environments where it is safe or acceptable to have a child brought in. A lot of people are living in the world where due to homophobia, transphobia, white supremacy, and racism, they have not been given access to healthcare, high paying jobs, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And they are not in a position to be a primary caregiver. Now, I wanna kind of drive, hold on one second, I'm looking at this. What's also meaningful is the APA, the American Psychological Association, has done their own research. They have done meta-analyses and they've released their own position. And this is coming from the president of the APA. And this is a quote. He says, rigorous long-term psychological research demonstrates clearly that people who are denied abortions are more likely to experience higher levels of, of, of anxiety, excuse me, lower life satisfaction, and lower self-esteem than those than those than compared to those who are able to obtain abortions. Um, and it gets deeper. There's a strong correlation between unwanted pregnancy and interpersonal violence. Psychological science suggests that the inability to obtain an abortion increases domestic abuse among those who are then forced to stay with violent partners and then also putting their children at risk. Some people are in households and relationships that are full of violence, physical, emotional, or psychological abuse. It is not safe, they recognize, to have a child brought into that environment. Or they don't want a child, and that's reasonable enough. It is someone else, it's someone's body. I can't imagine being told that I had to carry a child to birth for nine months and that I don't have a choice in that matter. It's called reproductive justice. And this is gonna more powerfully impact people with, with low, in lower socioeconomic conditions and people of color. So there's a little bit of racism in there. 
et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And mental health matters. And uh, we do have to consider the person before us, not this theoretical or symbolic child that we're trying to protect, which I call BS on, because if you cared about right to life, you'd be doing different things around the gun laws, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So looking at a few different studies, here's a lot of the outcomes that came out. And again, these are some social, these are some psycho. Um, so the following um, people that are denied abortion are have an increased risk to experience the following living in poverty because they might not have enough money to already sustain themselves or their family. And now with another person brought in, they won't be able to cover basic expenses like transportation, healthcare, housing, or food. Uh, some people will be raising children alone, which adds to stress on the child and the parent. And that does matter. See, that's the things that they're not considering. What impact will this individual who's forced to birth a child, what impact will the environment that they're living in and being brought into and whether or not the primary caregiver can even get their own needs met, what kind of impact does that have on the child who's on the receiving end of all that and their mental health is an open system? Um, here's another one. The failure to establish or maintain maternal bonding with a baby who's part of an unwanted pregnancy. What impact do you think that has on the child when in utero and also when birthed if they're unwanted? Do you really think that is a positive influence or impact? Also, let's talk about how the children of women who are denied abortions are less likely to flourish than those who are allowed the procedure. We talk about life-threatening complications that some people don't wanna deal with or go through. We talk about physical symptoms. We talked about domestic violence. There's also a higher prevalence of alcohol and drug use. And as we talked about earlier, an increase in suicidal ideation because this person has violently had their body autonomy removed. They're gonna be forced to participate in something they're not interested in participating in. And it might have disastrous impacts on the family system because they are not in a position of financial security or housing security to bring a child into that, a fragile, vulnerable child. So you know, we have to look at, we have to round it out. So we're gonna keep talking about this. We're gonna kind of sprinkle this um, through a couple uh, shows, but we, we really do wanna think deeply about this because it's not even just about this specific topic or it's also has a larger macro, um, I guess almost like a warning that rights are being removed. Uh, I'm worried about LGBTQIA rights being rolled backwards as we're looking at the banning of books and people trying to pass laws that, um, uh, what was it? Yeah, Texas legislator, legislators are proposing a ban on minors watching drag shows. Like really sit with what's happening here. Banning books, banning minors seeing drag shows, LGBTQIA rights being pushed back, denying access to abortions. Like really look at how this is expanding out and it's targeting already marginalized and exploited individuals and populations. All threads of violence intersect and support each other. And so please don't think that this is like a single lane or a single issue. There's, there's a wider thing um, under attack here. And so we have to keep talking about this. We have to, I mean, I, just even with the local elections, um, I'm talking to all my friends. I'm like, y'all, you have to care about this stuff. You have to talk about this stuff. You have to consider the impact on yourself and others around this stuff. You have to vote. <laughs> you, we have to not get lazy. And I appreciate that. It's been a really hard year and we're tired. I appreciate that we're battling a lot of things, gun violence, Ukraine. There's a lot of things happening around the world. We are moving into hurricane season. Um, the list is endless, but we don't want to let our guard down at this important time because this is, a, this, is, this is a meaningful thing that's about to happen. And we don't know 
what this is the beginning of. This is going to roll outward. So we're going to come back. Stick around, y'all. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be back. Oh, Rachel, we are back. And a little bit of an awkward transition out of that other topic. But on another show, we were kind of talking about um, the impacts of uh, how children are raised and how a lot of the things that adults now need were things that they were not given as children. And we were talking about and looking at what are the things that the adults I work with now, I wish they'd gotten as children so as to make them, you know, higher functioning in their current adult relationships, kind of looking at it backwards. And I wanted to just circle back and kind of hit a couple points really quickly. And then we're going to come back and do some DMS, but I thought that this was a little bit more bite-sized. Um, because again, I'm always working with adults on understanding that, uh, the needs we had as children are needs that never go away. And this also ties back to our earlier discussion about the right to accessing safe abortions and being able to make the decision for yourself because some people are realizing that they're not cut out to be parents. And that could be because of their own temperament, personality style. That could be because of the dreams or goals that they have, but that could also be because of financial insecurity, housing insecurity, healthcare insecurity. could also be because they're not part of a loving, safe relationship. And so that's kind of how we dovetail back into this. So we're not going to spend much time on this, but the words are safe, seen, soothed, and secure. That is what children need. That's what adults need. And when someone's thinking about the possibility of becoming a parent and birthing a child, they do have to really ask themselves, is this something I want? Or, but also, is this something I have the capacities to deal with? I do work with some couples, whereas they're talking about the possibility of bringing a child into the world, even single parents or caregivers, they have to ask themselves these questions. How, what is your level of functioning? Are you functioning well and are you anchored enough where you can tolerate bringing in the complexity of raising a child? When people talk about the ease because of caregivers that are around them or financial stuff, I'm like, oh my God, let's just talk for a minute about the psychological and emotional. All the caregivers and money in the world don't remove the fact that you might not have enough mental health to be a primary caregiver to a child who's internalizing everything that they are centered around. So I say to that to couples, you guys are not a high functioning couple. You are a high conflict. What impact do you think that would have on this child? So let's at least do the work on improving your relational functioning before you bring a child into that system that they're going to be that their nervous system and brain are going to be born out of and shaped by. Are you are you able to even be a good partner? If you're not able to be a good partner, you don't have the skills to be a good parent. How's your emotional regulation? Are you able to regulate yourself? No, not very well. I can tell by the way you are with your partner. How are you going to stay regulated when your child is consistently dysregulated and needs you to be better than them? Are you going to be able to provide them a sense of being seen and safe and soothed and secure? Because as long as we help our kids do that, their brains will wire to be able to handle that and tolerate that. Um, But that's the question. And that's why when this topic comes up, I, I have to lovingly say, A lot of people don't have their basic needs met, so they're not ready to be a parent, but also a lot of people don't have enough high-functioning mental health and resilience and coping mechanisms to bring the complication of a child. And I want that to be something that's considered. Every child needs to feel safe. They need to feel sheltered and protected. Every child needs to feel seen. They need to be able to get attention from you. If you are already stressed and overwhelmed, 
you are not going to be able to give your child the attention and focus they need. If you are already dysregulated and often upset and unhappy, you are not going to be able to give them the soothing and the comfort they need when they're hurting and to teach them the skills of regulation because you don't even have that down. If you are not living in a world or in a relationship or in a family system that is secure and reliable and consistent, then their brains will be wiring and built as their nervous system will in an unsafe environment, maybe, maybe constantly living in a state of fight or flight. So again, we have to, before we talk about being parents, assess our level of functioning because that will be internalized by our child and they will be born out of that. So a lot of parents have a lot of work to do. And so it's very reasonable for a potential pregnancy to happen that upon healthy reflection and mindfulness, it is decided that this is not an ideal relationship, family, or time to bring that into my life or our lives. That has to be able to be acknowledged. I do not agree that it is always better just to bring a child in. I do not agree that the health or relationship of the caregivers doesn't matter. It absolutely matters. So yes, I want people to do a very general, if not deeper, mental health assessment on themselves and their relationship. And if it is not an A+, you should not be bringing a child into that environment because they will end up in my office later in life. Do the work. So part of family planning should be deep marital or couples therapy and individual therapy years before knowing that you want that to make sure your functioning is high enough to influence and impact that child. So that's another reason why I, as a psychologist who's been in the field for two decades, find it vitally important that individuals have the right to realize that pregnancy and birthing a child is not the best for them or for the child. And that is not a decision that a law, a state, or a politician can make for someone. It has to be case by case. We're going to come back and do some DMs. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be back. Oh, Rachel, we are back, and now it's time to slide into those DMs. Sliding into the DMs. This one says, hey, Dr. Chris, I'm starting to suspect that my partner might be having an affair. How apropos for today's topic. He's 34, and I'm a 32-year-old woman. We've been together for a long time, but recently, he's going out with his friends more, and they're all gay men. I really don't like the idea of confrontation. So is there anything else I can do to maybe get him to be more open and honest with me? A thousand questions. Um, why do you mention that the people he's going out with are gay men? What's, I don't understand the relevance of that. Um, that doesn't mean anything. Um, some people are straight, some people are gay, some people are bi. I'm not sure what the communication is in that. Are you trying to imply that you think he's cheating with them? But why? Because they're gay. Like, I need a little more information. Um, I don't like the idea of confrontation either. We should never confront anyone. We should have an, a, a calm adult conversation. We come in at a zero. If we are hot or triggered or upset, that is not the time to start or have any kind of conversation. So I would say, wait till you're feeling calm. Also, we connect before we correct. And so although we're not trying to quote unquote correct, that mantra applies. Start with connection first. You don't come in hot. So you come in calm at a zero. You correct, you connect first, like, hey, how's your day going? Blah, 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 great. Can I talk to you about something for a second? Something's been on my mind. You then go into a vulnerable question. Hey, for whatever reason, I, I seem to have a sense that maybe you're cheating on me. Can we talk about that? That's it. 
That's all you do. And if you're in a healthy adult relationship with someone you trust, then you will correct based on their answer. If they're like, honey, no, I'm not at all. Then you're like, good to know. Because we are only in relationships with people we trust. And if we don't trust them, then we shouldn't be with them because they're not healthy. Or we have to work on our issues learning to trust people if we think it's us who needs to learn how to trust. So you have to kind of suss some of that out. But I have to assume you're with someone healthy because you've been with them for a while and that they will honestly answer questions like that. because that's what your question is. Is there anything I can do to get them to be open and honest with me? And the only thing you can do to answer your question, to get someone to be open and honest with you, is to come in calm and to create a safe space to process whatever it is we're processing, which in this instance is the possibility that maybe he's having additional relationships sexually with other people. Um, that's all we can do. But before that, and for everyone listening, we wanna make sure we have a good foundation. So that's work you should have been doing, and maybe you wanna do that work first, which is we have to make sure we build the kind of relationship that can tolerate honest, intimate questions and processing. So again, if you have a high conflict relationship, he's not gonna trust that you're safe enough to be honest with. If you don't have deep, honest, vulnerable, transparent conversations, then he's not gonna have the ability to come and do that with you. So maybe work on building that first if you don't have that, and everyone should work on that so that we can, as adults, talk through difficult, hard to have issues and conversations. But if we don't have that already, well then when we need it, we don't have access to it. It's kind of like I tell people, if you're struggling, be in ongoing therapy because you can't, the day you most need it, call around and think you're gonna find someone who can see you that moment in that day. You work on being in a process already. Just like if we wanna be able to deal with these issues, if and when they come down the road, whatever they might be, we have to build the kind of relationship that can tolerate it. Just like if someone wants to make an intimate disclosure, like coming out to someone, I say, do you have the kind of relationship that can tolerate that? No, you don't, you don't talk, you don't express, you don't, well then work on building that first. So that's my first question again, is what's the foundational health of your partnership? And if you've already been doing the work, well then, Off you go with all the recommendations I gave you. But if you don't, you have to do that first because part of people's willingness or ability to give you honest answers around really difficult topics is that you are safe for them to share with. Parents that say, why aren't my kids honest with me? Because every time they are, you yell at them, shame them, and punish them. So you've told them, I'm not going to be someone you can come to. But if every time they do come to you, you are open and you are calm, and you are accessible, then they will come to you. So part of this is about your husband's experience of you during difficult conversations. If you get angry, lash out, and you're dysregulated, well then you're right, you won't get a real answer and he'll lie to you. And that's because of the way you've presented yourself. You are not safe for him to answer that question. You know, you haven't created that space, so work on that first. So this is really more a question of just the global functioning of you and your partner. Because I want people to be able to ask questions like that. I want people to give honest answers and know that you can talk about it and work through it. But if he's expecting to get, you know, punished or yelled at, well, then, yeah, he's going to lie, you know. All right. We're going to take a break. We'll be back. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. Y'all stick around and don't go anywhere. All right, y'all, we are back and uh, we're going to switch gears again. We're going to lighten it up a little bit. We were talking earlier in the show about the impact of early life for unwanted pregnancies, not having access to abortion and healthcare. We're going to talk a little bit about everyone's favorite fear. One of the number one fears that comes up if you're talking to someone who's in a relationship or entering a new one culturally is what? Getting cheated on. Everyone's wondering who they're talking to. Where are they? Uh, Can I trust them? What's going on in their phone? 
it, 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 we, anxiety abounds. The minute someone becomes important to us and we attach, for most people, there are some people that are avoidant and so they don't have that. There are some people that have been really good at working through jealousy and ownership, so they don't have that. There are some people that are used to open styles or polyamory, so maybe they're better at it further along, have better skills, even though jealousy occurs for everyone. No one is beyond that experience. But for the general population who are raised with you know monogamous training and experience and thinking, sometimes a little too toxically. And we have the term toxic monogamy, which is when we use monogamy in a weaponized way to the detriment of the person. And it's not healthy and it's about control. And we want to not do that. And we want to get away from that. But cheating is uh, a lot of people's biggest fear. You know, I say on the show all the time, put your questions and the topics and the DMs that you want us to hit. And um, cheating comes up often. Y'all got to start listening to every show because I talk about it every now and then. I don't, I don't talk about it consistently, but I've done a couple shows exclusively on it. If you want to check them out, go to wearechannelq.com. Scroll down, look for Love Line, click on it. You can find the little topics you'll see. But um, we're going to talk about the main reasons. Some new research came out that looked at the main reasons why people cheat. Now, I want us as always to look at ourselves and to consider our partners, but we're being self-reflected as well. Some of these aren't going to surprise you. Some might even horrify you, but there's a lot of learning in these because one of the things I've realized through clinical work and looking at research and I guess just even my own life, because uh, yes, I have my own life. <laughs> I think some, I remember when I was a kid and you would see your teacher out of context and you'd see them at the mall and you're like, oh my God, look at them wearing normal clothes, doing normal, normal people things. I think sometimes people think, or I think, or clients think that I you know, only do clinical work and I don't have this personality or, or lifestyle outside of it. Although those that follow my social media get to see all sorts of wild, wacky stuff because I'm a full and total person. And um, we're pushing back on professionalism and desirability, or I'm sorry, we're pushing back on professionalism and respectability politics, and we're not performing good anything. We're, we're, we're being more authentic in our presentation. So I try to, at least on my social media, bring my full authentic self and recognize that I can be both a doctor and a scholar and at the top of my field and also be tattooed and wacky and funny and make mistakes and drop F-bombs. And we can be our full total selves and still be worthy of respect. And we're not trying to squeeze ourselves into the limited expectations of being a professional or respectable. You respect us no matter what we do, you know? Um, and I, and I realize with cheating that a lot of times what people are seeking outside of their relationship, they really should be trying to build within their relationship. Whatever it is you think you can't get, you need to be giving that relationship and that partner the opportunity to know that. And that's why I'm a big fan of relational check-ins. I say it all the time on the show. It's one of the things I repeat that every couple months and every year we should sit down and say, what does our relationship need from us? What are we not getting so that we don't start thinking it's not possible or trying to find it outside? A clinical example I love reflecting on is when someone's not given the opportunity to know what's missing or what's being desired and the partner decides it's not possible. And I look, I'll, I'll be uh, transparent. I had a relationship end. And what was really unfortunate is finding out afterwards what it is that this person needed or wanted. And I was never given the opportunity to be better or to provide that thinking the whole time that certain domains were fine. Um, and it's very disempowering and it's very unfair. And there's also something very, I think, abusive in that um, to have decisions made for you that, that directly and massively impact you, but not ever being told. And so I want everyone to know that be transparent. Part of the commitment we make within a primary partnership 
and even, well, primary partnership as a friend, a family member, or even romantically and whatnot, is that we will let people know what we need and where we are so that they can be a part of that change. And we will bring them into our decision-making. We won't make decisions unilaterally for them. And before you go seeking something elsewhere or before you go trying to use, you know, extracurricular activities and relationships to solve things, let your partner know that there's a problem and, and let, let them and you try to find a solution within that relationship. It's very violent to remove that option and to make a decision for someone, which goes back to our abortion topic, that we should have body autonomy, but also relational autonomy, where we should be aware of what's happening in our relational lives. And if someone's going to do something that alters that structure, like consider leaving us or cheating on us, we should be given an opportunity to be a part of maybe finding a solution. Because sometimes people need that wake up call to be, to be, to be stepping into action and to be better. And we don't want to remove that. All right, we're going to come back and keep talking about cheating. <laughs> we could talk about it every show because it's people's greatest fear. And there's a lot we can learn about what it is we think is possible and what we're seeking elsewhere. But we're going to go back and talk about that. So we're not going to talk about it right now. Uh, and then, of course, we'll be closing out with some DMs. So you all know the drill. You got a question, bam, drop it in the DMs. You got a topic you want us to hit, bam, drop it in the DMs. You want us to hit something deeper, circle back, bam, 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 drop it in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. And uh, we are Channel Q. As I said, it's where you want to go. So stick around. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris. Channel Q and Odyssey will be right back. All right, y'all, we're back. Talking about cheating, why people do it. And I was saying that we, whatever it is we are seeking in uh, a relationship with someone else should be something we should bring into our current relationship. You want more romance? Start being more romantic. You want more sex? Start initiating more sex. You want more kindness and gratitude? Be a part of that change. Start bringing that in. Make that, make that a center point. Normalize that. Tell your partner, hey, I'm not happy with our relationship. Here's what I need to see differently. Yeah, we part of the commitment we make in a primary committed attached relationship is we let our partner know where we're at, what we're feeling, what we're needing. And if and before we go try to find it elsewhere or make a decision about ending the relationship, we let our partner know that that's where we're at. A lot of the cheating is built on someone's lack of willingness to create what they need and they try to go find it elsewhere. They sidestep the work. Instead of complaining that your partner's not romantic, start creating romantic scenarios, normalize it, bring it in, ask for it. So one of the one of the main ways we're not going to kind of put them in a hierarchy as to what are the more you know more popular or less popular, but one of them is some people need novelty and newness. But again, that can be created in our current relationship, and that shocks some people because yes, what we seek in relationships consistency, reliability, familiarity. Yes, those can be the death of sex if you let your sex life fall under those categories. Your relational life can be those things, consistent, reliable, available, responsive, familiar, comfortable, safe, known. But your sex life, for those that aren't eroticized by those factors, you can bring newness and novelty into your sex life easily. But a lot of cheating is because some people aren't willing or don't think it's possible. They won't be vulnerable or have true intimacy, which means sharing parts of ourselves that make us anxious. Remember, intimacy truly is when we share things that make us anxious because we're we're dropping deeper. We're going to be known more. We're revealing more. Those, those restaurants you go to where you see someone sitting in silence uncomfortably because there's the comfortable, secure silence of a couple sitting there. But then there's ones that they're not 
or they're awkwardly on their phones while together. That's because no one can tolerate a lot of closeness and intimacy. No one is sharing the deeper parts of themselves. That couple's already covered their favorite colors, how the weather is, but they're afraid of dropping deeper. I've sat at coffee shops, horrified, scared, anxious myself, because I'm sitting with a couple who only know how to kind of sit there in silence. They're looking out. They're like, how's the weather? How's your food? Oh, this food is good. No one's willing to actually bear themselves. No one's actually willing to build intimacy, which is sharing things that make us anxious. Go deeper. But we have to apply that to sex. We fall in routines. We have leftover sex. We won't do what makes me anxious. We won't do what makes you anxious. We'll stay within our comfort zone and we'll do whatever's leftover boring. A lot of cheating is because we've kept sex too safe. No one's pushing on their edges around their discomfort. No one's saying, what have you been thinking about? Where's your head at? What have you been looking at in porn? What are you fantasizing about? No one said, let's do it in a different time, in a different place, in a different way. Small tweaks were all that's necessary. But they think that what is, is all that's possible. And I promise you, what is, is not all that's possible. What is, is usually based on us just trying to stay comfortable. When someone tells me what's going on in their relationship, when someone tells me what their sexual orientation is, when someone tells me what they're doing sexually, I usually know it's rooted in comfort, that it's not honest. Because honesty would be us saying, wait a minute, where am I letting my gender trap me? Where am I letting my relational status trap me? Where am I letting my fear of being seen as a sex addict tra trap me? Where, is, where am I letting you know, me wanting to be seen as a, a high quality mom trap me? Where am I not branching out into my truth, knowing that all those things can exist while I'm still being my creative, diverse, sexual self? And if you're not bringing your true, creative, diverse, sexual self to your primary monogamous partner, then dear God in heaven, where else are you supposed to take it? Your partner should know those parts of you. Explore, experiment, share, discuss, but don't go looking for it elsewhere because that's also you still trying to stay safe and comfortable. You're over eroticizing this unknown partner, unwilling to eroticize your current partner. What you did with them, you need to be doing with your current. There's so many ways we can do that. I'm actually working on a workbook. I know I'm saying it out loud because it's giving me the pressure to really complete it so I can release it out into the world. And it's essentially going to be a workbook that runs people through sex therapy that people can do in addition to working with a certified sex therapist, a CST, which is who you should be seeing if you're working on your sexuality with a therapist because they're trained. It's like five years of training I had to go through to do it. And these, and it'll help. And I'm also going to put together a little group. It's going to be online so you all can join from around the world. But until we get there, if you're thinking of cheating, say to yourself, what is it I'm seeking? And how can I try to create that in my relationship? I need whatever it is I'm seeking or I think is lost, I need to talk to my partner about. I need to bring them in on it. That is the commitment I make as a partner. So that's the first thing. One of the, one of the things that makes people cheat is wanting newness and unpredictability, which again, we can find within our current relationship. Um, what are the other reasons? Because a lot of them are about people sadly accepting what currently is as though change isn't possible. And that's, and that's not true. That's not true. People usually haven't tried. Now there's also the bunch that cheat because they think that, um, <clears throat> their relationship is something they're no longer interested in. And they're really scared of making that known and exiting. And they think I'm going to try to have all the options in the world. I'm going to keep my relationship because I'm afraid to leave or I value some aspects and I'm also going to additionally add on these others. Um, so, you know, again, it's about an unwillingness to deal with the inherent limits that come with a primary partnership at times. There are going to be some lacks. Anytime we make any decision, we're missing out on whatever other options could have provided. And if you choose monogamy, which you don't have to choose at any time in any relationship, you're allowed to say, I want something more open or monogamish. You always have that right. 
It doesn't matter how you entered or who you were. You're allowed to ask for that based on changing needs. But a lot of times people, again, don't want to do any of the work, whatever that might look like. And they want to just keep what they have and they want to find additional things. But that gets in the way because that creates shame and it can erode at trust if and when you're found out. And so the better thing, again, is to go back to the relationship. Do you see the theme here? Do you notice the consistent theme that no matter what the driving force is, it always comes back to at least first trying to work on what you already have before you accept what you think are the limits? And there are no limits. You know, again, people don't stay in the stages of courtship. They think that once they have someone or get someone that the work is done and nothing else needs to be done. I don't need to attract. I don't need to flirt. I don't need. And so they, they, they get stuck. And sadly, people accept that. All right, we're going to come back and talk more about it because uh, I got a lot more to say. And they'll be doing some DMs. So don't go anywhere. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey, y'all. We'll be right back. All right, we're back. And we're talking about the some of the reasons why people cheat. But we're focusing on what do we learn about ourselves in having these impulses to maybe cheat. You know, we're not trying to trap someone. We're not trying to figure out what our partner's up to. The perspective is if I have these impulses to have sex with someone outside of my primary relationship, if I'm in a monogamous relationship, and if you're not, well then, you know, you can still learn from this because anytime we have a desire or an impulse, we want to ask ourselves, because we're always trying to develop more consciousness and mindfulness, what does this tell me about myself? And that's what I want you to ask yourself. What are you looking for? Why? Why are you denying, trying to find that within your current relationship? Like, like I want us to always use these experiences to learn. And one of the other main reasons is because, ready for this, it's gotten easier than ever. Because one of the reasons why some people cheat is because things do sometimes come out of nowhere. Believe it or not, and again, I'm not saying that we can't be aware of ourselves, but I'm saying sometimes it isn't planned. It isn't something someone seeks. Opportunities emerge. And part of that is because with technology, we've widened our access to others and others now have greater access to us. So many stories of things happening over Facebook Messenger, Instagram Instagram DMs and things like that, where before cheating happened at work because we that's where people spent most of their time. So they're able to develop intimate relationships with other people at work. You know, think about it. You spend more time with your colleagues at work if you go into an office anymore, which by the way, who goes into an office anymore? We're now finally letting everyone work from remote. People are demanding that. I'm here for that. But at it before, people would spend 40 plus hours a week with colleagues and coworkers and then maybe business trips where now, and, and when I and go back to that example for a second, and then when you think about how much time you spend with your spouse, what, when you get home at night and you're cranky and tired for a few hours and maybe on the weekends, it's kind of wild. And that's why, when people talk about work-life balance, no one's doing that. We need more life. We don't need more work-life balance. We need more life. And that's why I'm, I'm glad we're talking about uh, four-hour work weeks. Another pilot program is being launched in the UK. China has shown it's effective. And then we're talking about not answering work emails and whatnot lawfully in Canada after work hours. Canada passed a law in a province that is lawful to ignore work emails and phone calls and texts after hours. I'm here for that. When you're off hours, you're off hours. You shouldn't be reachable. There's a time when you could only call us. We didn't have email or, or cell phones. And people would take their phone off the hook after 7 p.m. because it was family time. I'm here for that. But my point is, is people were at work all the time. Now with their phones, at any time, they can access or be accessed. You are responsible for how you choose to use your technology. Don't use it against your relationship. Ready for this zinger? Put your damn phone down and spend that time with your freaking partner. We're working all day long. And then we're at the gym. And then we're doing all these other things. 
put your freaking phone down and spend time with your partner. Please do not think that because your body is near their body, AKA proximity, that you're spending time together. I always say that, how intimate are you and your partner? Oh, intimate, we're always home together. That's not intimacy. Well, we're sitting on the couch watching our shows. That's proximity still. What are you? How much face-to-face conversation are you having? That's intimacy building, right? So that's part of the problem. People are on their phones. People can also have communications with others while playing games. You know, so again, this isn't to spike people's trust issues and anxiety. It's for us to understand the windows and the doors through which these things can happen so we can close them. But it all comes back to having care and respect for your primary partner and transparently and intimately discussing your needs before you decide for them and the relationship that it's not possible and going elsewhere. That also comes up with breakups. Before you end a relationship or a marriage because you've decided that you're not happy, you better go back to your partner and say, this is what I need and give it an opportunity and a chance. That is part of the commitment we make. If we're not willing to do that, we're not ready for a relationship. Um, because that's what it's really about. Um, and then sometimes, honestly, the cheating is a result of you know wrapping it all up into I'm not happy with my current relationship and maybe I should exit it. Make that known. You know, because what I care most about in all of this is the way we're impacting each other's partners and how your partner's left off as a result of this. And yes, believe it or not, some people are shocked by this. You can exit a long-term marriage or relationship in a way that leaves both of you still psychologically healthy and intact. But it's it's determined by how you exit. Not even so much why, but how. And we want to be caretaking each other on our way out. So many people, far too many people, think that once we've decided to leave a friendship or, or any kind of relationship, that we are no longer accountable to our actions and we're off the hook and that how we exit doesn't matter. But in fact, our mental health is most shown how we exit relationships, how we manage them, but more importantly, how we exit them because most people let themselves off the hook at that point. So higher level, healthier people hold themselves accountable at that moment because they're not willing to let themselves be a certain kind of person. And that's where mental health is most demonstrated. So um, hold yourself accountable to that. When we date someone or enter relationships with them, that's a serious role. And I don't think a lot of us really acknowledge that or take it seriously enough. Um, all right, coming up next, we're gonna be doing some DMs. So if you got a DM for us, drop in the DMs on our Loveline IG page, questions, topics, things you want us to hit, circle back to. We'd love to hear from you. Past episodes of the show are over at wearechannelq.com. Scroll down, look for Loveline and click on it. You can binge post, re-listen and share because uh, it's all about that repetition. We got a lot of bad messaging to get out of our minds. So we have to unlearn and then we have to relearn some better skills and perspectives. So it's all about that repetition. So. Take advantage of that. We got so many resources at our fingertips these days. There's almost no reason for people to not be doing the work. Um, but stick around. We'll be back. Listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be right back. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing. However you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other 
other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odysseypodcast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash odysseypodcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash odysseypodcast. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. If your day sounds like... We need the report ASAP. You deserve Medela. If you've persevered through... You deserve this rich golden lager with a crisp but refreshing taste. Or if you overcame. Two more reps, two more. You deserve this ice cold reward. Modelo, the markable fighter. Trick responsibly, beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Oh, Rachel, we are back. Now it's time to slide into those DMs. Sliding into the DMs. Hey, Dr. Chris, I have a question. Can love languages be for families and friendships too. Do they change when it's not a romantic partnership? So remember, the love languages aren't real things. These are just metaphors, perspectives, and concepts we've used to try to give languaging and um, understanding. People can be all of them, none of them. They can ebb and flow. They can change. Yes, the concept is really rooted in the idea that we want to understand how our partners or friends or family members or colleagues most feel seen, heard, and cared for so we can make sure we communicate that. Because the success of anything we say or do is rooted in the person's, how it lands on the person we're doing it for. If when we try to compliment someone, it doesn't feel complimentary, well, then we aren't great at complimenting. And so it's to help us better understand how to maybe demonstrate and communicate things to someone. So yes, you can apply that to everyone. Some people as your friend or as your family member will feel most seen and cared for by you if you compliment them. Others, if you spend time with them. Others, if you gift them something. Others, if you do something for them. And again, that can change relationship to relationship where I can be with one person and I most value compliments from them. I can be with another friend or lover or partner and feel best when they're maybe putting themselves out in service of what's best for me. And, and essentially we are kind of pieces of all of them. And so it's really just saying whenever we're in a relationship with anyone and we want an adult healthy relationship, which is always my assumption, you want to understand someone in your life's user's manual. When we get a new air conditioner, a new vacuum, a new coffee pot, a new car, we should look at the owner's manual to better understand how to operate optimally with this new thing brought into our life. Anyone coming into our life as a lover, a partner, a friend, same thing. We have to understand who they are and what they need. The worst lovers are the ones that think, I know what everybody likes. I know what every girl likes. Uh, No, they're very different. 
Same thing with people. When you make a new friend, you don't always know how to be a great friend for everyone. Everyone needs something different. Some people need more closeness. Some people need more distance and space. Some people need more you know, intensity and energy. Other people need you to quiet down and soften when you're around them. So every time we enter someone's life and they enter ours, we have to say to ourselves, this is a new person and I have to figure out how I need to best relate with them. And I can figure out how to do that by understanding them and their user's manual. What do they need to thrive in a friendship? What do they need to feel cared for? You can ask that, you can pay attention to that, but everyone's gonna be different. We can't be giving everyone the same thing. If you're a parent with multiple children, you're gonna need to raise them all differently. Each one is gonna feel cared for differently. Each one has different needs. That's what I'm always promoting in any way. If you're a boss with employees, if you're a teacher with students, if you're a parent with children, everyone needs something different. We can't say, well, everyone gets the same. Everyone has a different need. It's called equity. It's called mental health. Everyone has different mental needs. Some people won't be able to have the expectation placed upon them that they will arrive on time because of ADHD, because of trauma, because of OCD, because of agoraphobia. We cannot have the same expectations on everyone. Everyone has a different phys physicality. Everyone has different abilities. Some people walk slow. Some people have issues with their leg mobility. Some people are users of wheelchairs. And same thing with mental health. And we have to accommodate and give people what they need. Otherwise, we are not being centered in mental health. And we're being discriminatory. So that, that applies to the love language concept. Everyone needs something different. And our role, if we want someone to feel cared for and safe in our presence, is to understand what they most need and what our expectations can be upon them. We cannot apply universal things and say, oh, well, that's what your brother needed or that's what my ex wanted. Great. I'm not them and they're not me. And we have different needs. And that's part of being mental health centered. So it all does apply. But again, it can also ebb and flow, meaning it could be one way in the beginning and change in another time because they're different based on all their other relationships. So we're always managing all those different pieces. Um, DMs always come from our Loveline IG page. If you've got a question you want us to answer, a topic you want us to hit, something you want us to circle back, drop deeper into, drop them on in there. And past episodes of the show are always over at wearechannelq.com. Scroll down for Loveline and click on it. You can binge, post, re-listen, and share. It's all good stuff over there, so check that out. But spend the rest of the night focused on self-care, pleasure, and joy. You know, we're working 70% max. We're not trying to burn out. We're, we're, we're building in more space for joy. We're relaxing. We're resting. It's what we most need in this most difficult, difficult, difficult time. But as always, y'all, thanks for letting me be part of your journey, part of your life. Thanks for hanging out with me. Be kind to each other. Kind to yourselves and uh, enjoy the rest of your night. See you all later. Good night. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See t 
Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. Hey. 